0: I'm really excited to be part of this summer series. I love the book of James, and I've enjoyed thoroughly a lot of the various perspectives that we've been receiving from different ones who've spoken, all about wisdom and faith and the richness of this book is amazing. But as I thought about what I wanted to share this weekend, I decided, and as I prayed about it, that it would be interesting to approach it from a more biographical perspective. I mean, who is this man, James, who wrote this wonderful book that we've been studying? And what's the story behind the words of wisdom that we've been reading and wrestling with? And although there's no official biography of this person, when we look at various passages in the New Testament, there are lots of interesting windows into his life and what his journey of faith was and also even in history. Uh, For example, the first century historian Josephus actually mentions James in his life and in his death and and there's a lot of interesting historical information as well and so in fact, in your handout if you'll notice, I kind of did a brief summary of who this person is to help us kind of frame our uh, survey today of his life. The author of the book of James was not the same James that we read about in the gospel narratives. He was, in fact, the half-brother of Jesus who also happened to be named James. During Jesus' earthly ministry, this James was not a follower of Christ, but he became one after seeing Jesus alive after his crucifixion. This man, who wrote what we call the book of James, became the leader of the church in Jerusalem, and he was eventually martyred for his faith in Jesus. So today, we're going to explore what that journey of faith may have been like for James, the half-brother of Jesus. Now, some people are confused by that phrase, the half-brother of Jesus, and simply put, we remember the scriptures tell us that the birth of Jesus was miraculous and that Mary was a virgin when she gave birth to him. And so while Jesus himself was the adopted son of Joseph, we know that he wasn't physically descended from Joseph himself, just from Mary and from the work of the Holy Spirit. And so we have this interesting perspective of someone who was a family member certainly James didn't consider himself to be the half-brother he didn't call himself I'm the half-brother of Jesus he was Jesus brother and that perspective of family gives us an interesting window into this journey of faith and especially for me as a Jewish believer in Jesus you know the tradition of Jesus being one of our own and yet is pretty strong in the Jewish community. Some of you remember that line from the movie, The Godfather, never go against the family, right? <laughs> well, that sen- sentiment didn't begin with Don Corleone, you know? And so Jesus has been seen as someone who is, yes, he's one of us, but you know, What about the rest of it? And there have been some Jewish people who have been amazed. Albert Einstein said, I am enthralled with the luminous figure of the Nazarene. A famous Jewish philosopher named Martin Buber, who's well-respected in the Jewish community, has said, Jesus will always be my great elder brother. And so there's this attraction, and yet. So wondering what it was like to be James part of the family and to to creatively imagine how he went from not believing to believing and saying all those amazing things in the book of James that we're reading, that's what we want to do today. And, And in this handout, you'll also see a number of some of those statements that James made, but before that, there's this wonderful gospel introduction to James and the rest of the family and Matthew chapter 13, and the backdrop of this is that Jesus has already begun his ministry, but he comes back to his hometown. And there's a lot of mixed opinions about him because people knew him growing up. You know, who is this guy? In fact, that's the question. Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? Are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? Are not all his sisters with us? Where did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. Now that's an interesting window from Jesus himself into the conflict and the controversy surrounding his family, and so I want you to imagine with me, if you will, this experience of a family member, what it must have been like for James, who at one point was definitely not on board with Jesus being Messiah, but ultimately was. Creatively, let's imagine this together. We're gonna imagine it through the life and through the words, not of James, per se but of his brother the brother of Jesus through the eyes of Joseph Oh Shalom <laughs> I was just getting ready to pray and y- You may be wondering how conducive it is to be praying in a pit of a jail cell in Jerusalem like this. Well, that's a story. I know that every prisoner has his own story, but mine is a little bit different, I think. My name is Joseph, and uh, I was named after my father, a good man who unfortunately died when I was still fairly young. It's from a large family. I had four brothers and just as many sisters. We lived in a fairly prosperous town in Upper Galilee called Nazareth. Maybe you've heard of it before. Our family was in construction. Stone masonry, wooden farm implements, you name it. My father knew how to make it and he taught all of us boys and we did well. Until, of course, he died. What a shock that was. And What a difficult moment in my family. And according to our culture, it's really the responsibility of the oldest son, when that happens, to step up, to take charge of the family, to lead in the family business. But, well, that didn't exactly happen in my case. You see, my oldest brother, Jesus, he was different. No, I mean really different. I kind of thought he was strange, to be honest with you. Um, you know, there were stories going around the community that I was well aware of and my older brother James that Jesus was actually not my father's son. And so we got in a lot of fights, you know, to defend my mom's honor from, with local kids. were making comments. But, you know, it was strange. My parents didn't f- seem to feel the need to quash those rumors. And, in fact, they showed a kind of special deference to Jesus that I started to resent. There was one time where we went to Jerusalem for one of the holidays, and uh, we were there for a few days, and we left, and it was a short time, a day's journey. We recognized Jesus hadn't come with us. And so, of course, my parents were very upset. We all had to turn around and go back to Jerusalem, and we found him walking and talking in the temple like there was no problem, and, you know, If if I had done that, I would have been in big trouble. Same with James, but Jesus, he got away with it. In fact, eventually my parents laughed about it and became one of the family stories. Ha ha, you know? (laughs) And, you know, then obviously there was expectation of him when my dad died, and he didn't step up. It all fell to my, my brother James, and Jesus kind of wandered off out of our lives, and became an itinerant rabbi, a miracle worker, people started calling him, the Messiah, God's son. I mean, what do you do with that? Your own brother. And when he would come back, I mean, you know, it was, have you ever been ashamed of a family member? I mean, really embarrassed? I have to tell you, that was my experience. I I, I didn't want to have to answer for him to anybody. One time, somebody from a nearby village came and told us, oh, Jesus is there, there's this big crowd. And my mother said, let's go, let's get him, let's bring him home. She was worried he wasn't eating well, you know. (laughs) And so we went. And uh, sure enough, there was this huge crowd. We couldn't even get in. So we, we asked this guy to go and pass a message. Your mother and your brothers are waiting outside. You know what? I mean, he didn't even come out to greet us. We had traveled this whole distance And he leaves us standing outside. In fact, he says to the crowd, who are my mother and brothers? And then he points to his friends, his followers, and said, behold, these are my mother and brothers. I was humiliated. I was embarrassed. I was angry. James and I decided that was it. We had had enough of this nonsense. My brother, yeah, people... He became famous, but for me, he was just the guy that never stepped up. He, did, he left the family business for something I could never understand. Well, I remember once he came back and we did something that I'm a little bit ashamed of now. We tried to taunt him. We said, you know what? You've been here going around, making yourself famous. Why don't you take your act to Jerusalem? You know, see how they respond to your miracle-working Messiah act. It was hard to push Jesus buttons, you know. Um, We tried, but the plan actually worked. He, He did go. He went, and it was for the Feast of Tabernacles, and it was this huge controversy, and people were upset. The leaders were upset, and it only went from bad to worse, and... Later that spring, around Passover, he was in Jerusalem and I, uh, we heard he had been arrested. Of course, my mother was very upset and she went right away to see what she could do and I wasn't going to go, no way. But I heard things went from bad to worse very quickly. He was arrested, he was tried, he was convicted, and he was executed hung on a Roman cross. It was horrible. I mean, as much as I resented my brother, I never wanted to see him suffer. Not like that. And my mother, I felt so bad for her. But I have to tell you, in my heart, I was somewhat relieved. I was hoping, well, maybe life can go back to normal now. (laughs) Boy, was I wrong. First of all, my mother never came home. She never came back. I mean, she told me, the way she explained it was while she was watching Jesus on the cross, he said to her, woman, behold your son, and pointed to his friend John. John, her son. And then he said to John, behold your mother. And you know what? From that point, he took it as his job to take my mother into his own house, and that's where she lived. I mean, who am I? The one who took care of her. Even in his death, Jesus was messing up my family. I felt victimized over again. But that wasn't even the worst thing. We started to hear rumors, 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 that Jesus, yes, he had been crucified, but he was alive. I didn't want to believe it. I couldn't believe it, but James, you know, he was in charge of the family, and so he felt that his obligation to go up to Jerusalem to find out what was really going on. He was supposed to come back, but he didn't. And I'm thinking, come on, what's going on? So I went there myself, and he told me, James told me that Jesus appeared to him, that now he too believed and became a follower. I felt cheated. He, too, is leaving the family business. He's staying in Jerusalem. He's a follower of of the way. Couldn't take it. I left. Now, it was to me to run this business, to take care of my sisters, to help my younger brothers. But I couldn't stay away, you know? James was my best friend, and I had to find out what was going on. I mean... He saw Jesus. I didn't see Jesus. So I would go from time to time and visit my mother and my brother James. And very soon they made him the head of this group of followers of the way of Jesus. (laughs) They, They called him James the Just, which is pretty ironic if you know my brother. I mean, he was a businessman and he was a good businessman, but he was always working the angles. You know what I mean? And now he's James the Just. (laughs) They also called him Old Camel Knees because they said he spent so much time praying on his knees. I mean, I'm telling you, this was the kid who was first out of the door of the synagogue every Sabbath, and yet now he's Old Camel Knees. And yet, you know what? The more I saw him, I realized these weren't just names. They were representing something different, something unique. And my brother, he was always a smart man, but now he was a wise man. He had words to say that matched change that I couldn't deny. I can always argue with what he said, but I found it increasingly difficult to argue with who he was becoming. One time... I heard that they were having a really difficult time, that the Jewish leadership was upset that they were growing so much that they started persecuting followers of the way. And I was a bit worried about my own brother. And, you know, whenever he was uh, worried, it was everybody's problem, right? I mean, if the business wasn't going well, he was frantic, and we all had to pay the price. He was up late at night, he was up early in the morning, so I expected him, when I got there, to be upset, but, you know, he wasn't. He, he, he looked like everything was fine. I said, aren't you upset about what's going on, about your people? He said, you know, I've learned to count it joy when all of these trials come, because I know that it's a test. It's a test of my faith, and it produces patience. And it did. Once I walked in on him while somebody was just yelling at him. It was a, a widow, a widow who, who was complaining that she wasn't getting her fair share of the distribution. And she actually accused my brother of cheating her intentionally. And I was just waiting for him to get out and just yell at her to rip her head off. But he sat there and he smiled and he nodded and he listened. And then he got up and he put his arm around her and he walked her to the door and he instructed the men there. He said, make sure she gets twice what she's asking for. And I'm sitting there and I'm saying, you know, I came to see my brother James, but who are you? <laughs> and he smiled at me. He said, Joe, he called me that sometimes, Joe. <laughs> he said, uh, you know, I figured out that God made us with one mouth and two ears for a good reason. Just imagine if it was the other way around. He said, no, I've learned that it's best to be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to get angry. And giving her that double portion, well, I've discovered that mercy always triumphs over judgment. You know when somebody says something like that and it just goes bing? That was what it was like with him. It's hard to argue with that. Oh, and he was arguing. He would try to persuade me to come and join him. I wasn't going to do it, no way. I'd say, come on, I have faith. What's the problem? He says, yes, you have faith. You do well. But you know what? The demons believe in God too. That was offensive. And then he'd always end with this, I think it was his favorite statement. He said, Joe, just draw near to God. Call on him. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. And that was always ringing in my ears as I traveled back home. But as soon as I got home that time, I I heard bad news that, that James had been arrested finally in this persecution that had broken out. He was in a prison cell in Jerusalem. So I turned right around, went back, and I went to visit him. I pled with him. I I tried to persuade him. I said, come on, give these guys what they want. What's the difference? Just tell them you've changed your mind. You're no longer convinced. Come home with me. Let's get back to business. And he smiled at me, but I knew (laughs) It wasn't going to happen. He'd made up his mind. He was persuaded. So the next morning, you know, I hadn't been at my older brother's trial, but I was going to be at James's, And so I went, and it was conducted outside in front of the crowd at the temple. They had him up on the parapet of the temple, this high wall. And I guess they thought, That he was going to actually say something to renounce his faith they gave him an opportunity to speak and he walked forward and opened his mouth and of course what came out was his confident faith that jesus was the messiah that he was truly god that he had died On the cross there in Jerusalem, yes, but that he'd also risen again. And as he said that, the the leaders just lost their minds. They were gnashing their teeth. They raced towards him. They rushed him. They grabbed him, and they threw him off the wall. No! I watched his body fall and land on the ground, and I raced toward him. No, my God, oh, my God! I thought if I could protect him... But then, out of the corner of my eye, I saw one of those launderers come with his big washing paddle, that long wooden paddle, and he started beating. I tried to protect him, but I cradled my brother's head and my hands, and I watched the light leave his eyes. It was like a slow-motion nightmare. I don't even remember... Uh, rough hands that grabbed my arms and pulled me up and dragged me back here, here to this place, this pit, this jail cell. How ironic. I was arrested for being a follower of the way. Me, me who didn't believe. They saw me grab and they assumed I was with James, and I was. And you know, as I've sat here and had time to think about it, what came out that horrible day was the reality of what was already in my heart. When I cried out to God, just like my brother said, he drew near to me. I am a follower of the way. It's true. I do believe in Jesus, not because, like my brother, I saw him after he had died, but I saw him in the change that happened in James. And I can't deny. I don't know what's going to happen to me. I can tell you I, I, I'm not fighting it anymore. I don't feel like a victim. I know ultimately God, who my brother called the Father of Lights, is going to shine his light even in this dark prison cell and and it'll all become clear. But in the meantime, I've I've got a lot to think about. I don't know if I'll have the courage that my brother James did, but I pray I will. And that's my story. What about you? What's your story? Well, that's okay. Go ahead. I've, I've got some time. I hope there's been some points that you've been able to identify with, as I certainly have, in this creative imagining of James and Joseph, all of us have had family issues, right? (laughs) Struggles, uh, disappointments, disillusionment with relationships, and maybe not in the same way, but we can recognize there's no need for us to become victimized by those things if we call on the name of God. You know, we're all here today because we want to draw near to him. And that's good. That's a wonderful thing because the promise that James tells us in this amazing book is that when we draw near to God, he'll draw near to us. It doesn't matter where you are, where I am on this journey of faith, it's just a simple cry. And He'll begin to work the change in our lives that makes all the difference. It's not just enough to have a belief in God. That belief, that faith, has to be rooted and grounded in the object, which is Jesus Himself, who has the power to work change in our lives. What changes has God been making or wanting to make in your life that you're aware of, in my life? We need to celebrate those things that he's changing and look for him to continue that because no matter what our testimony, what our witness is concerning God, ultimately the change that he makes in our lives is going to make the biggest impression on our family, our friends, our coworkers. And he'll do it if we have faith to believe. He'll do it as we call his name. He'll do it because when we draw near to him, he does draw near to us. And that is a good word. We're going to have the band come back and sing a closing song that very directly relates to what we've been talking about today. Before they do, we'll have our time of giving. And let me lead us in prayer. Thank you, God, for the wisdom that we find in the book of James. Thank you, God, for the wonder that we have in the story of this man whose life was so dramatically altered when he encountered the risen Messiah. Lord, each one of us here wants to have an encounter. We've come here today because we want to draw near to you. And we thank you for the promise that you will draw near to us as well. And because of that, we have all the confidence that you will work a work of faith and hope and change in us, worry to joy, anger to mercy. Lord, all of these things that happened with him, may they happen in us as we draw near, as we call your name. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.